Hello, and welcome to the Capital Compass podcast. We are the official podcast of the New York State Catholic Conference. I'm your host, Jillian. Today, in episode 10, I'll be talking with Bishop Robert J. Brennan about his new role as Bishop of the Diocese of Brooklyn. Throughout the 2022 legislative session, we are giving you updates on what is happening in Albany. Without further ado, here is your Legislative Minute. Welcome to the Legislative Minute. I'm here with Dennis Paust, Executive Director of the New York State Catholic Conference. Today, recording the Legislative Minute, it is February 14th, 2022. Dennis, can you tell us what has been happening in Albany recently? Sure, Jillian. Uh, So it's budget season, as we said last time in Albany, and so the legislature has been holding joint budget hearings, uh, the Senate and Assembly, and we've testified in several of those in the education budget hearing, as well as in the human services budget and mental hygiene budget hearings. Most of that we're praising, uh, actually, uh, some of the ads uh, into the budget from Governor Hochul and asking the legislature to keep them. The other big news going on, of course, is the whole mask mandate issue, and the governor did remove the uh, requirement that masks be worn indoors, so now churches are free to make their own decisions about if congregants need to be masked. However, the school mandate's still uh, applying, and that has created a lot of controversy and uh, among all school families, including Catholic school families. Uh, we hear from uh, both sides And uh, the 200,000 Catholic school families, like everybody, really just kind of wants to know, what are the metrics that the governor is using here? What is the off-ramp? And is there a time uh, when the kids can go unmasked? And so everyone is anxiously waiting uh, for more information about that. And that's about all that's going on. And that was your Legislative Minute. We'll be right back after a brief message. Are you interested in staying up to date with New York State legislation pertinent to the Catholic Church? Do you want your Catholic voice to be heard? Sign up for the Catholic Action Network by going to our website at nyscatholic.org slash action dash center or texting CAN to 50457. Again, CAN, C-A-N, to 50457. And we're back today on the show. We have Bishop Robert Brennan. If you don't know who he is, he is the new bishop of Brooklyn and Queens. In fact, on November 30th, 2021, Bishop Brennan officially assumed the role as eighth bishop of Brooklyn and Queens. Bishop Brennan was born in the Bronx and he was raised on Long Island. Most recently, he served as bishop of Columbus, Ohio. So welcome to the show, Bishop. Thank you very much, Jillian. It's great to be talking with you. So how has this homecoming been for you? For me, it's been quite exciting. Um, you know, I enjoyed being in Ohio very much. It was a short time. It was less than three years. I enjoyed the people of Ohio, working with the priests there. Um, I love the rhythm of life there, the variety of life. Um, diversity in Ohio is more than ethnic diversity. It's the, the mix of urban, suburban, and rural. Um, and so coming back now into a, an area that's pretty much all uh, urban um, is, is a little bit of a wake-up call for me because even before going to Ohio, as connected as I was to New York, it wasn't this urban center. So this is an entirely new experience for me. And yet it's close to the people I know, close to my family, close to the people I've grown up with um, and served with as a priest right next door in Long Island. Um, and being growing up on Long Island, you know, there are lots of connections with the city and with the people of the city. Um, and 
particularly with Brooklyn. I went to school in St. John's, which is within the Diocese of Brooklyn. Now, this is this is a big thing to be named a bishop of a diocese, you know, the head bishop. So what was your reaction when the Holy Father decided to appoint you as the head of Brooklyn? Um, it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, actually, it was a lot of a surprise, partly because I had only been in Ohio for those two and a half, not even three years. Um, when he called, he called back in the in September. And um, but in fact, there would have been other reasons he may have called, uh, the, the uh, Nuncio rather, the Nuncio called me. Um, he was connected to the Josephinum. So uh, taking the call, I was quite relaxed until he asked if I was alone. <laughs> and I said, oh boy. Um, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, I had already served to ask the Bishop of a diocese in Columbus, but this time the Holy Father through the, the Archbishop asked me to go to a place that's pretty big and pretty complicated. And um, there's an honor in that. Um, there's an honor, but it's also uh, a, a, little, a little bit overwhelming. You, you thank God for his help and strength and for the goodness of the people around you. So you served as an auxiliary bishop in Rockville Center under both Bishop William Murphy and Bishop John Bears. So what did you learn from these two men that helped you in your first assignment as a diocesan bishop uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and you know now in Brooklyn? Actually, I've learned from a lot of different people, including certainly Bishop Murphy and Bishop Barris. Uh, but uh, yeah, in, in, in every case, I, I've seen a great pastoral style, a real sense of love for, for, for the people with whom they serve, a real concern um, for, for the priest, um, a, a goodness, a generosity. Um, so those are some of the uh, attributes I would try to imitate. You know, being a diocesan bishop is a bit of a demanding job, you know, as, as, we, as we've uh, mentioned a little bit, and a huge responsibility, especially in uh, Episcopal ministry. Um, so how is that compared to being like a parish priest? Well, interestingly, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Um, being an auxiliary bishop in a very large diocese, I did a lot of administration. I was vicar general, so I was in the office taking care of day-to-day -day matters. Um, when I became a diocesan bishop, it was like becoming a pastor again. Um, it's just now I feel like a pastor of a very large parish. Um, and I was in one of our schools yesterday and they asked me a similar kind of a question. And uh, I, I told them there are lots of pluses and lots of minuses. So on the plus side, um, being diocesan bishop puts you in touch with a lot of people, a lot of people. And it's great to be able to go into the parishes. It's great to go into the schools. I feel a connection with a number of our schools. So the, my, my world has uh, grown immensely. The trade-off though, is you don't have that, that deeper connection that you would as a parish priest. So, you know, your, your encounters with people very often might be once or twice a year. Whereas in, in a parish, you're more involved in the day-to-day, week-to-week um, lives of people in the parish. That's the major difference. But like I said, there are trade-offs because um, I feel very connected to so many of our parishes and schools. Yeah, I've been noticing on uh, social media, you've been traveling all around your diocese to uh, different schools, different parishes. It's been great. It's been great. It's something I enjoy doing very much. Um, and uh, yeah, some of it's circumstantial, which I'm happy about. Um, we're in the process of the synod. And I was using the deaneries to try to get to visit different parish, the different regions. 
And so we've combined the two. So that gets me to a lot. We had Catholic School Week last week, which really intensified those school visits, but I've been doing some before and have some more coming. Um, yesterday, I was at the school where my father went to school, attended years and years ago, back in the 1950s. Um, and, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's a good experience. That's always uplifting. I did some preparation before this interview, um, as a, hopefully a good interviewer would. Um, but I read you majored in mathematics and computer science at St. John's University in Queens. So, like, I'm just... It's, it's, I just find it interesting. Uh, is it true? And like, how did you be, decide to become a priest? <laughs> yes, it is true. Um, truth is, I had already decided that, that or at least I believed that I wanted to be a priest. I was very strong on it by the time I went to college. But um, I wanted to have that university experience. And St. John's w was very, very attractive. Um, I enjoyed studying math when I was in high school. I only grew to love math while I was there in high school. Earlier on, I didn't, I didn't love it so much um, when I was doing the rudimentary things. But I grew to enjoy it. And at that time, the major thing you needed in terms of college preparation was the study of philosophy. So we had a college seminary, and it would have been much smaller. It would have been um, more, more restricted in in terms of what you could actually study. And like I said, I wanted the, the big university experience. I commuted from Long Island to St. John's. Oh, wow. I held a job, I worked in my parish. So I had all the spiritual life between campus ministry and St. John's and my home parish of Our Lady Perpetual Help. But I took all the philosophy that I needed. So even though I had the math and computer science, you needed a certain amount of credits um, and particular courses in philosophy. And so I was able to go right from the seminary, in, uh, right from the college into the seminary. So we're going to see you coding uh, the, the website? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I graduated in 1984, the year before the PC went on the market. Um, <laughs> PC already being obsolete. I was obsolete the day after I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> if I had gone into the field, I would have kept up, but boy, on the computer side, math, math is a little more um, stable, I would say, <laughs> but on the, on the computer science side, man, everything changed so quickly after um, I graduated. You've served as a member on USCCB's Committee for Catholic Education, so especially with recent Catholic Schools Week, why do you think uh, Catholic education is so important? Catholic education... Um, well, first of all, I think it's important because it, it contributed a lot into my own formation. So having experienced that and realizing that the many, the many different sacrifices that people had to make along the way so that I could do that, particularly in my own family, um, I, 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 I really enjoy um, the, the fact that of, of thinking about how, wow, this has really shaped my life in, in a very, very strong way. And that of my brothers and sisters. Um, I believe having been a priest now for 32 years that um, it's, I, I've seen it up close and firsthand that we offer a quality education. And I think one of the things that's unique about a Catholic education, and I don't apologize for this, there is a religious nature to it, that in every subject, it's not just religion, but what we're doing is we're integrating the truths about God and eternity into important knowledge or just as I, I use this with kids all the time a simple thing when you go to science class and you start getting into um, whether it be the principles of how the world works of gravity of creation of gravity of all these things um, and and you realize the deeper you go 
more you see the hand of God. Same with human life. And then the same in other areas, in like the, you, you, the, the need for a prophetic voice and standing up for, for human dignity, um, the, the, uh, the dignity of every human person. Um, uh, you know, all, all these things uh, are part of the Catholic education. So it's, it's an integrated approach. It really is an education of the whole person, a formation of the whole person. A Catholic education doesn't just give you the facts. And I'm not taking anything away from the public schools formation, but what, one of the things that we're able to do is to integrate it all together so that it's, it is a formation of the entire person. And I think that really equips a person well for life. The other thing, um, having served in Ohio for three years, I see the effects of giving parents the opportunity to make the right choices for their children. And so, you know, um, the, the parents in Ohio are allowed, there are different programs. It comes in different ways. Some of them are based on needs. Some of them are based on the, the school district, um, but, but it's, a, it's a complicated thing. But the bottom line is their parents are allowed to use their tax dollars to make a, a choice for their children. That's not aid to the schools. That's giving parents some amount of voice in where their children will be educated. And um, there, again, trade-offs, the, 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 there are, because of our con commitment to serve the poor in Columbus, many of our schools were largely non-Catholic. So it wasn't just Catholics who were, uh, were, um, uh, were choosing our schools, but we never shrunk from our responsibility to at least share who we are and what we believe. And people responded to that. They still wanted to come. They still wanted to come to the schools. Yeah, I think uh, we take for granted how important um, school choice is. In, indeed. Here we rely on the goodness and the generosity of people who here, Brooklyn, it's Futures in Education, in uh, New York, uh, the Inner City Scholarship, um, Long Island Tomorrow's Hope. Those become really important because they give a lot of um, empowerment to parents. Switching gears a little bit, um, with the recent murder of the two New York City police officers and other high-profile incidents, the issue of violent crimes, especially gun violence, has been in the minds of New Yorkers. So how do you think the church can stand with victims of crime and with our brave police officers while still promoting the concept of restorative justice for those who have committed crimes? The real issue is always going to have to be the issue of human dignity. And um, violence was an issue when I was in Columbus. I remember writing about the rise in violence back in 2019 um, and 2020. Um, and I thought the numbers were staggering then. They, the, the, the murder rate doubled. Even though I thought it was staggering in 2019, it doubled by this point in 2020 into 21. So this has long been a worry. There are lots of things that are important here, um, but at the core of it has to be human dignity. Um, we always you know, you, you say, talk about standing with crime victims, but that's gotta be, that's, that, isn't that what Jesus did? He walked with those who were hurting, those who suffered. We need to do that. We need to do that. You know. We need to proclaim conversion. Um, we need law and order. It's not just a matter of, I mean, we do want to stand with the victims of crimes, but we also need 
people need to be able to live life and feel safe. And, and that, that's really not the case. You, you know, one of the things that touched my heart at the funeral of uh, of Officer Moore, not Detective Moore, his, his sister said, you know, the police are out there protecting us. Who's protecting them? You know, so, and, and, and I think some, maybe we have to get away from some of the emotional arguments in this, but justice d- doesn't mean a free-for-all. And maybe it's, you know, part of it has to do with the sentencing and all of that issue, but, but part of it is even just enforcing the laws that are there. You know, every time something happens, there's a cry for new laws one way or another. Maybe it's just a matter of, uh, you know, a little bit of de- deterrent. If people know that the laws are being enforced, um, that doesn't necessarily have a, a sense of injustice to it. The, the message right now is out there, laws aren't being enforced, so it's a free-for-all. But if laws were being enforced, quite honestly, fewer people would be at risk of being arrested for <laughs> these violent crimes because the, the society was in, in a better place. We need to do that. But we also need to get to some other deeper issues that we don't like to talk about. And that has to do with family stability. That has to do with, with housing instability. It has to do with mental illness. It has to do with, with the dignity of, of life. There, there are a lot of things that, that we, we need to, um, to address at, at, at deeper levels. But again, Trying to um, promote human dignity doesn't mean free for all. In fact, quite the opposite. That's uh, that's a great way to put it. It's a very it's not a black and white situation. You know, um, it's very complicated and interwoven uh, with a lot of other issues. But at the end of the day, a lot about uh, the human dignity. Yeah. Well, as we wrap this up, uh, would you like to say anything to our listeners statewide, or maybe those specifically in your diocese? Just. Um... Well, to the people in the diocese, I want to thank you for your warm welcome. Um, I want to thank uh, you for all of your goodness and to all people of our state. You know, one of the things as I go around to the synod sessions and as I talk to other bishops, both here and in other places, we're all so struck by the goodness and the generosity of God's people in so many ways. I know we're all struggling to get life back to normal in some sense of the word, to welcome people back into our churches, to uh, pick up um, with with, with other kinds of gatherings as well. I know that people have very strong feelings about masks or no masks and vaccines and all that. And and I respect that. And I think that's important that we do respect one another. But what, what I've noticed like widely, very widely among the vast, vast majority is a sense of humility, a sense of charity and great patience and resilience. And so uh, thanks to you, to all of you for that. These haven't been easy days and I'm not just talking about the pandemic, just everything around us. And yet we draw our strength from Jesus Christ and we uh, help each other along the way. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day and being on. Thank you. Thank you, Jillian. Thanks for listening to the Capital Compass podcast, and a special thank you to Bishop Brennan for coming on the show. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll be coming out with a new episode every other week. If you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And to catch all the latest from the conference, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NYS Catholic Conf and on Facebook at NYS 
Catholic Conference. Thanks again, and God bless.